Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I was recently looking at some files that my grandfather had, and there was nowhere on any sermon from 1926 to about 1965 that ever said, please pray that the Apple TV works in St. Matthew's, Almina, Wisconsin. I have to laugh. Today's a very unique Sunday. It's one of those things that's gone more and more sophisticated as life's gone on with football and Super Bowl and then you marry Transfiguration Sunday with the Super Bowl and we're kind of left trying to figure it out. And the preacher's put in an odd spot. If you go Super Bowl only, people go, man, you're so shallow and that's so dumb and you need to pay more attention to the divine rather than the human and, you know, you're just pandering to culture, blah, blah, blah. And if you go transfiguration only people say well you're not in tune with what's going on in the world and you don't really care and you're not connected to people and all of those things so I thought we'd just have communion and call it a day (laughs) think about those things right We've got family and friends of loved ones who are sitting in Las Vegas right now, messing around, having fun, enjoying Allegiant Stadium or the activities outside of Allegiant Stadium and and getting ready to go. And the question on all of our minds is, who do you like, Patrick Mahomes or Brock Purdy? And that's interesting to think about a little bit, but even more interesting is to think about Jesus the Christ and the impact that one man made on a mountaintop with an extremely small audience. Now, the audience for the Super Bowl today is enormous, and it's expensive to participate in that. If you could find yourself an aftermarket ticket today, the average cost of the past five Super Bowls was $6,680. The lowest price for a Super Bowl ticket last year was $8,586. And even Taylor Swift would have trouble coming up with that kind of money. The economic impact to Southern Nevada is fascinating. $1.1 billion. There's hundreds of thousands of hotel rooms. Lots and lots of of, of tax of, of money and dollars coming in. The impact is huge to the place that hosts it. And the people who will watch the game in a bar and restaurant is 16.2 million people. That's staggering. And the 20-year increase in the cost of a 30-second ad is 192%. Again, those numbers boggle the mind. For an afternoon of work, the winner's bonus today is $157,000. And the loser's bonus is $87,000. Not a bad afternoon of work. Of course, if you get a concussion, that's a whole nother thing. Now, I'm not sure what your menu looks like today. I know what mine looks like. I got up early this morning, pulled a pork roast off the Traeger. It's sitting in the oven. We're, We're ready to roll today. My wife even decided to make her special hash brown cheddar cheese thingies today and special K, which we call special Klinkenberg bars, which are to die for. 1.45 billion wings will be consumed today. 11 million pounds of ribs. 10 million pounds of potato chips. 
Now, think about that a little bit. How much do potato chips weigh? 11, 10 million pounds of potato chips and 250 million pounds of avocados. After church today, we're going to go home and have something to eat and do our thing. It's a big event. My point is, it's a big event. It's lots to think about. Lots goes into it. The coaches, the quarterbacks, the defensive, the coordinators, all of those people have had two weeks to get themselves together. Las Vegas has had more than a year to get themselves together. And yet you put the Super Bowl in in one side of your mind and you put the church of Jesus Christ in the other side of your mind and here's some numbers on that. Over 63% over 63% of people in America identify as Christian. That's 167 million people. That's a lot of people. That's more people than will fit in the stadium today. Put that number in your mind. When I say from the pulpit, and I like to say it, you are a part and a function of the greatest movement in the history of humanity. There's not another movement that can get after 167 million people in the United States, let alone 2.56 billion people who identify as Christians worldwide. And Christianity, both in Africa and Asia, is growing very, very rapidly. The biggest, grandest movement in the history of the world is represented here this morning while something fun is represented this afternoon. Each have their weight, but the weight of the church of Jesus Christ dwarfs what goes on this afternoon. And it's staggering to think that because that started in a very small group on a mountaintop far away. We got a a little piece with a, 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 a little audience But you have three distinct parts to Mark's account of the transfiguration. You have the light, the clothes, the brilliance, the presence of God right there. Coming down to the mountain, Peter, James, and John with Elijah, Moses, and Jesus, and and then the light. And you kind of wonder what Peter's thinking because Peter's always thinking and always talking and always a little bit over-speaking. Of course he was freaking out. Mark even goes so far as to say he was talking out of his ear because he was so afraid. There was a big deal going on. Not a huge audience, not a huge arena, but... And then Elijah and Moses, the greatest prophet with the greatest leader. Moses, who led God's people out of Egypt with an outstretched hand... And God looked at him in the burning bush and said, you, Moses, you're the one that's going to go. You're the one that's going to go to the most powerful man in the world. And you are going to say, let my people go. And he went, and he did. And he preserved the line of the Messiah in the person of Jesus. If If anyone ever knew the frustration that a leader was going to have, and the loneliness and the pain... It was Moses. And then there's Elijah, the greatest prophet in Israel's history. The one who in our lesson today, God sent a chariot down to get. Isn't that fascinating? 
The one who said, be patient, be patient, be patient. God has not forgotten you. God is not dead. God is not gone. He said, be patient, be patient, be patient. And watch what happens. And no one knows, but maybe one day we will, of the conversation that went on with Elijah and Moses. Maybe it was like a halftime talk. And Moses said, man, I was there. And I can tell you how hard this is. And Elijah said, you think that was bad? Let's talk about Jezebel and Ahab. And they said, as they put their arms around Jesus, you're on your way to the cross. You're going to suffer and die for these people. And you can do it. You can do it. The power of the prophecy. The power of the leadership. The redemption of the world. Elijah, Moses, key parts pointing to Jesus sitting with them on the Mount of Transfiguration. And as if that wasn't enough, the cloud opens up, the voice comes down, and the voice of the Father says, this is my Son whom I love with Him. I am well pleased. This is the one. This is the guy. If you didn't believe the healings, if you didn't believe when he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, if you didn't believe the preaching, if you didn't believe anything else, then believe this voice, this one, this guy, this Nazarene, this Jesus. He's the one who will come and redeem the world. And he is on his way to that cross. Make no mistake about it. And while it was theologically big and big in Jesus' life and big for us this morning who hold on to faith in Jesus Christ, there were only six people there plus God the Father. It was quiet. There wasn't an enormous arena of people as there was when 5,000 were fed or the Sermon on the Mount. It, it, it wasn't that big group. No big crowds. But it shows us that Jesus is on his way to the cross. The central portion of his ministry, the most important part of his life is happening in the days and the weeks ahead. Here, Transfiguration Sunday is so important for us because we get through January, we get through February, and, and things kind of spread out for us a little bit. All the things maybe we got going and thinking as we got into the new year and we made our resolutions, things kind of become a little bit more demanding. And things spread out a little more in our lives. And we come to this Sunday and we're reminded of the one thing, the centrality of the mission of Jesus for our redemption. And his movement to the cross for us and for our salvation. And the power of being able to believe in Jesus because of what he did for you and me. Throughout the weeks of Epiphany, we've had casting out demons, which we only preached in the auditorium because we didn't have children singing that thing and we didn't want to have third graders coming out going, ah. The healings, the proclamation in the synagogue, all of those Sundays put together so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ. And then this one. There's just a few more things on Jesus' checklist to handle. To suffer, to die, to rise again, and to ascend into heaven. And he is entering those pieces for us and for our salvation. And we're reminded that it's going to get a whole lot more difficult for Jesus 
before it gets a lot easier. And because it's difficult for Jesus, our lives become more peaceful. Because he goes through the narrow part of the pipe before Pontius Pilate and Annas and Caiaphas, because he is nailed to that cross, we have peace with God. That's the power of the transfiguration. That's the power of the movement that you are a part of. The greatest movement, the largest movement, the most influential movement in the history of humanity led by the son of whose father acclaims him the Christ. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? When you're afraid, there's kind of two things you can do. And I love Peter on this. Peter is, Peter is, is quoted in this with Mark. He says, hey, let's build a couple tents. This will be great. We'll all hang out. There's a ball game on this afternoon. You get the wings. We got Elijah. He can have a tent. Moses, he can have a tent. Jesus, and we're, we're content just to sit and chill. This is the cool thing. The other guys will never believe what we saw today. Ah. What's your reaction to the glory of God? Like a Patrick Mahomes touchdown pass, do you get up and cheer and go, yes, Jesus? Or like an interception with two minutes to go where Brock Birdie gets the ball, you go, oh, I don't know. But I do know the reactions here are powerful in showing us what our reactions to the love and the glory of God is. For some... And some in the church, especially the Western church over the last maybe 15 years, there's a, a palpable fear that says, well, if I open my mouth, the culture's going to close it. If I say this, I'm going to create controversy. If I do this, then someone's going to be angry. And so Peter represents a little bit of us in that. Let's, let, let's just chill out. Let's just take it easy. <laughs> this is great for us. Let's just kind of hunker down. We'll chill out. We've got wings. We got ribs on the way. And of those 250 million avocados, we have enough to make some really nice guacamole. But not Jesus. Jesus says, let's go. Jesus says, come on. Now's the time. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. We could stay in the glory, we could bask in all the coolness of this, but there's a mission to accomplish, there's a mission to achieve, let's go. And the cloud dissipates, and the guys disappear, and Peter, James, John, and Jesus head back. One of the accounts of the transfiguration says, and Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. He set his face to the hardest part of his ministry. He said, let's go, and let's go to the cross. So all those numbers, 2.8 billion is a big number. A hundred million people plus will watch that ball game today. But the number I love the most this morning is one. One. Of all the people who've stood up and said, I am the Christ of all the false prophets who've got up and said, you should follow me, of all the weirdos who have gone forward and said, you know what, it's not about one. One Savior, one Messiah, 
one Jesus who knows you and loves you. He died for you and rose again for you so that you would hold in your heart through faith in Him peace with God. And peace with God is what we take from the mountaintop into our lives to live out good days and challenging days until the day we see Jesus in the light of eternity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.